0: Welcome to Beyond the Bench, a podcast sponsored by and in conjunction with Gordon Leadership Services. Beyond the Bench is a podcast done by ADs for ADs. Every week in this podcast, three Iowa High School athletic directors talk about current program issues we are dealing with, special moments we've had, a quote of the week some hot topics, and we will, of course, have some fun along the way talking about things happening with our family and friends. We'll talk with special guests, including athletic directors currently doing the job, retired ADs, and people we work with inside and outside of the school who help to make our program successful. I'm Todd Gordon, currently at Des Moines Roosevelt High School, and I'll be joined by Scott Jarvis from Ankeny Centennial High School and Aaron Stecker from Cedar Rapids Kennedy High School. All three of us have taken different paths to our current positions, but we believe our separate journeys will make our discussions interesting and informative for ADs from schools of any enrollment size. All three of us have been active in the Iowa High School Athletic Directors Association. I currently serve as the president of the IHS ADA and Scott and Aaron are both recent past presidents. All three of us hold certifications from the National Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association, the NIAAA, with Scott being a certified Master Athletic Administrator and Aaron and myself holding our certified Athletic administrator certifications. We hope you enjoy the podcast and if you have any questions current situations or concerns you are dealing with in your program and you would like us to discuss them feel free to email us our email address is beyondthebenchgls at gmail.com that email address again and this is all one word is bench gls at gmail.com and now let's get to today's podcast another episode of beyond the bench and uh, I'm sitting in Des Moines and Aaron's in Cedar Rapids and we're I'm looking out a window of about oh probably eight to ten inches of snow in the last uh, few days we've had and um, but anyway uh, it's warm here and uh, we are going to get right at it Scott can't join us tonight he is uh, under the weather and so he's just getting some rest. We're trying to get him ready for the, the next couple of weeks. So uh, if you're listening to this, Scott, get better. And, uh, I know we'll see you soon, but, uh, you know, we just finished this week a, uh, well, one of the best traditions we have in the state of Iowa and that's the state wrestling tournament, uh, over the last three days, four days, actually the dual tournament on Wednesday, but Thursday through Saturday, you know, is the showcase and, uh, Last night, I was there for the finals. Um, We presented, walked out with our Athletic Director of the Year, Steve Watson from Dallas Center Grimes, um, during the awards ceremony. And uh, then I stayed and watched wrestling for probably a good hour or two before I had to go uh, do a couple other things in the evening. But, uh, boy, last night, Aaron, different than no other, 18,000 people in Wells Fargo Arena, uh, three mats, just a great night. And I think you were down there maybe for a day or two, also watching some wrestlers, uh, I believe, but, uh, you know, Saturday night, there's really nothing like it in the state of Iowa.
1: You know, there really isn't. Uh, yeah, I was down there Thursday, Thursday and Friday. We had our guys wrestling down there and, uh, couldn't make it over there Saturday morning. We had a couple of guys still wrestling for third and fourth there on Saturday afternoon, but, uh, well, my daughter was busy up in Ames with, with the all state large group speech. So I, I spent the day up there with her watching that, but, uh, you know, I grew up uh, in Gilbert, Todd. We, at the time, we did not have wrestling when I was growing up. Uh, so I was a basketball player. I wouldn't have been a wrestler anyway. I'm too dang claustrophobic. I couldn't do it. <laughs> but but we didn't have it until my junior year in high school. So the the state wrestling tournament for me was something I had never – I didn't know anything about. I uh, didn't grow up around it, didn't have, have classmates or, or friends going to it. So it really wasn't until I was um, – back at Kennedy when I started back here in 99. And, and then even as an AD before I really, ex- I didn't experience the Saturday night until a few years back uh, as an AD. And I just, I'm like, this is like no other state tournament I've been around and, and we do a lot of them really well, but, but boy, Iowans like that Saturday night, 18,000 people. You better buy your tickets in December or you're, you're out of luck. Uh It's crazy.
0: Yeah. It's uh one of a kind. And, you know, last night, um, of course, it, it went live, you know, maybe about 6'10 or 6'15, whatever it was. But Dan Gable, you know, the legendary Dan Gable was down on the mat. And he had with him a seven-year-old boy from Council Bluffs. And what he was out there to do was to count down 10 down ten, down to zero when they went live. So then the place was just going nuts. But this boy um, is, is standing there and, and Gable is saying that, um, he's been battling cancer for three or four years. Um, been going through his chemo, his radiation and has never missed a wrestling meet. And, you know, people just went nuts, just went crazy. And it was goosebump moment, uh, to see that little seven-year-old out there. You could see he had a little spot on his neck where he probably had a port, um, just a brave, brave young man. And, uh, so then he and coach Gable counted down to 10 and uh we hit zeros and boy the place just went crazy. But just a neat moment. You know, Dan Gable was in the house. Um when we walked out on the map for the recognition with uh Steve Watson, ahead of us uh were all three head coaches from the division one universities. So they were getting recognized into the Hall of Fame, but the Iowa Wrestling coaches, Hall of Fame. Um and well, let me say, that Brands wasn't there. He was represented by one of the Morning Stars, one of his assistants. Uh, but boy, Steve Watson looked at me and he said, "Is there a more out of place place for us to be right now? You know, because we weren't <laughs> wrestling coaches, were? And uh, we're just surrounded by all these great, uh, great wrestling uh, minds and and great wrestlers themselves. It's just really, it was really a neat, neat evening. So." Um, You know, again, one of the greatest traditions, well done by the Athletic Association, uh, Louis Curtis, and uh, all the administrators up there who run that tournament, the great uh, volunteers. Boy, it's just seamless. Just a great, great night. So hats off to them. And, you know, I'm going to bring in now our special guest tonight, Jason L. Parker, uh, from down in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. Am I saying that right, Jason? Yes, sir.
2: You got it. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here tonight.
0: Yeah, so uh, Jason and I connected a while back just kind of through LinkedIn, and um, I visited him on his podcast, oh, man, I think back in the late summer, early fall type, um, yeah. and uh, did some talking there about leadership. But um, we're excited to have Jason with Aaron and I tonight. And um, before we get into talking much about him, while we're on the topic of a a uh, you know unique state tournament, Uh, We're going to throw it to Jason, let him talk maybe about one of the unique state tournaments that Oklahoma has. And I think as you listen to this, we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but uh, those of you listening, especially from Iowa will will, uh, really kind of take notice of what he's going to talk about in terms of uh, their dual state wrestling tournament. So Jason, tell us a little bit about why that's so special down in Oklahoma. Well,
2: uh, we don't have anything quite as amazing as, as what you guys describe. I couldn't imagine 18,000 people. We kind of do our state tournaments or our state championships rather sometimes a disservice because we split them up um, into various venues. And so a lot of times uh, a, 4A, a 4A state football championship may be at a local high school, whereas the 3A may be at another venue, and then you got 6A on the following week. And so sometimes you just – we miss out on that championship electric atmosphere, and that's one of the things we're looking to change within the association. But as it relates to wrestling, um, we actually do our dual state um, a couple weeks prior to our regular state championship in wrestling. So that's something that uh, I know is different from a lot of states.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of been the the con- con- I know it's controversy, but it has been a little bit. It's it's gone back and forth because, of course, in Iowa, um, our dual state tournament is the night before. It's the day before on Wednesday before the traditional tournament. So, um, and they haven't really found a good place to do it. Two weeks before sounds uh, interesting. Do you have all that at one site then, or is that kind of broken up in the different venues as well?
2: No, that's all at one site, and then the next weekend, which we just finished our regionals for for our regular state tournament this weekend, and then our our state will be next weekend.
0: Okay, very good. Yeah, I think that's one thing that um, we've done pretty well here in Iowa is having our venues – we've had all of our championships, you know, basically at the same site, Um, all classes – and uh, maybe that's because of the size. Our size may be a little different than some states, but um, I do think when you have a everybody at one location, all classes um, at a major venue, you know, we use Wells Fargo Arena uh, in Des Moines for a lot of things. Um, we got a nice venue up in Cedar Rapids where Aaron's from that we, we do volleyball up there. So um I, did, I just think those big venues are – they're neat for the kids to play in, too, when they get to play in those major places. Football plays at the Unidome on the campus of UNI inside uh, the last two uh, rounds of the football playoffs. So that's kind of kind of neat, too, for us here. So we uh, – you know, we're going to get right in and do some talking with Jason. But, uh, Jason, the first thing I think we'd like you to do is just uh, – you know, kind of tell us about your journey, where you've been, uh, kind of how you got to where you are now and, and maybe a little bit of what you've learned uh, each step along the way. Because I, I truly believe that uh, on our leadership journeys and our journeys through this uh, business, you know, one job maybe sets up another one experience, sets up for another experience. And they kind of build on each other. I think if we're very uh, if we really look for that. And um, so, just tell us about your journey and maybe what you've learned along the way uh, with each one of those steps.
2: No, I think you're exactly right, Todd. That, and that's one of the things I preach is that if if you don't know, you it's incumbent upon you to find out how your experiences relate to your purpose. And the way that came or manifests so itself for me was, uh, I. I Played high school basketball uh, at Tulsa Memorial High School, which is here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Or rather, Sepulpa is just outside of Tulsa. It's a suburb of Tulsa. So I'm an Oklahoma boy and uh, wasn't born here, but was raised here. And following that, I went on to the University of Tulsa, um, where I I was lucky enough to be an All-American basketball player. Uh, Played under Bill Self here. Of, of KU fame and uh, we we had some great runs at the time we were third in the nation over a four-year period uh, behind Duke and Cincinnati and this is this is from 2000 to 2004 um, in the number of wins per year and so we went to a, a, an elite eight we went to uh, that rather my senior year in high school, they went to the elite eight. I came in, went to two T A tournaments, one a NIT tournament in the garden. And we just had, it was a great time for Tulsa basketball and a great run front for us. And that led to a, a professional sports stint. And. Over in Europe, I played in uh, San Antonio for the Spurs Development League, which, which play is ho- hosted out of Austin, and I suddenly, while in Austin, uh, suffered two back-to-back knee injuries in, in consecutive mm. seasons, and so quickly, my uh, career ended in, in a devastating way, obviously being so unexpected. And my college coach gave me an opportunity to come back and be a GA and go to school. And my dad's a longtime law professor, so I decided to go to law school. And so, fast forward in the first semester, I am just four tenths of a point away from flunking out of law school. Hmm. And I'd always thrived academically. Uh, so, this was perplexing why, in the most important you know, schooling of my life, if you will, um, I was struggling. And what I basically found out was and realized was this was the first time in my life where I didn't have athletics involved in my life. I didn't, I had always kind of identified myself as a basketball player, but what I didn't realize was the things that basketball had shaped in me. And so when I really did an assessment that that semester break, trying to decide whether I was going to go back to law school, I, I looked at the things that basketball had helped me to become. And I knew it helped me to become, number one, a hard worker, uh, number two, a fierce, fierce competitor, and number three, someone who at least I considered myself a winner. And so I said, if I could be those three things as a basketball player, I could be those three things in in anything that I set my mind to. And so I basically changed my mindset. I added basketball back. I started training every day as though I was going to go back and play pro. And in my mind, I was. And lo and behold, I I found my rhythm. I I was able to kind of uh, recontextualize my identity, if you will. And I ended up two years later, graduating law school with honors. And as it relates to your question of what did I learn from that, I learned the, the power of athletics and activities or anything that is that distraction, if you will, that builds that character, that builds that, those traits, that are, those habits that are unbeknownst to, to, to those students. And so I became passionate about helping other people not only build these things, these great identity traits, but realizing how to use them in a variety of of, uh, situations, whether it be athletics, whether it be academics, social or what have you. And so fast forward, um, you know, while I was taking the bar exam, I got an opportunity, got an offer to come into uh, school administration as an AD at a private middle school and did that for two years. We had a great time there was really able to infectuate change. And that leads me to my current position here at, uh, Sepulpa, uh, school district, which is a small six, A school. So we're the, one of the smallest of the big boys. Mm. And, uh, we basically have, uh, in the neighborhood of 4,000 students in the district, um, roughly 1500 or so in our high school
0: gotcha yeah very similar then to what aaron and i see every day as well too um yeah that's a great great deal um uh, what are some of the the challenges that that you face um and i when you say you're a fierce competitor i i totally believe that and i i believe you probably bring that into to sepulpa when you talk about being one of the smallest 6A schools, you probably bring a little sense of a chip on your shoulder, I would think, to, the, to your students and your student-athletes saying, hey, we're one of the smallest. Now we take that as a challenge. How do you, how do you drive that home to your students to really and you know, make them embrace that? Well,
2: I'm glad you brought that up because it, it was the same mindset we, I employed at, at Tulsa Memorial. Um, which is a, a 5A school and sometimes creeps up to 6A here in the Tulsa area. And ha- they've won five of the last seven state basketball championships. And I also mentioned my, my time at the University of Tulsa, which is one of the smallest Division One schools uh, in the nation. And so, Todd, anybody who's been a small in stature or been on a team that, that's from a small school, uh, has that chip on your shoulder and they know what it feels like to feel picked on. They know what it feels like to to be thrown around and and feel like you're going against Goliath. And the only way I've found to counteract that feeling is to prepare better and mm. put more. So basically take that chip that's on your shoulder and add it into your work ethic and your everyday habits getting up early to 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 read to prepare uh what i like to refer to as out program we have to out program the bigger schools we have to be better on a day-to-day basis that means what we're doing in the classroom that means what we're doing on the practice field uh and things of that nature help us so when we get in the tussle with the big boys we feel we're more prepared and so the size um as an issue has been somewhat alleviated.
0: Mm-hmm. Good. Hmm.
1: I like that. I like that. Let, let, so little guys
2: got to prepare, man. You, you look at the, 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 the small boxers and the, the guys that are, that are, I don't care if it's a NBA point guard or a guy like Drew Brees at the quarterback, they're putting in twice the work of, you know, the guy that has all the natural talents and, or the school that gets all the resources, you know, so you got to put in that work and that's where the chip comes through is not on game day. It's in all the time where uh, the, the hare is sleeping and the tortoise is continuing to take those
1: steps. (laughs)
0: Good, good stuff. Good stuff.
1: So, so Jason, let's spin that into getting into some of the leadership conversations here and stuff. So what, Knowing that's the mindset you've gotta to, to work on and and set uh get you know trickle down to your student athletes uh that fierce competitiveness and that that idea that you're gonna out prepare outwork uh your opponents what how do you drive that instill that leadership mentality into your coaches uh and so here's we ask it this way what are your what are two major leadership goals you have for your coaches and your coaching staff in and driving your athletes forward and then what are some specific maybe action steps you take? Um, maybe it 's daily, maybe it 's weekly, maybe it 's seasonally to to help reinforce that and drive that forward
2: Well, first of all, it was important that we as the coaching staff, get on the same page about what it is we want to accomplish and so we we crafted a mission statement um, and the 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 major what we refer to as the core components of what we want to do as a staff is number one, develop students as both people and players. So that would be the first thing. And and how do we do that? Number one, we invest in their character. Uh, We're always taking investing time and our resources uh, and our efforts and being intentional about character development. Uh, Whether that's setting aside practice time to go through uh, some different curriculum or guide, whether that's uh, having crucial conversations when they when when they manif- when the need to manifest itself or whether that's, um, you know, a team bonding event, you know, because obviously a lot of character is social and emotional awareness. And so just being around students in their element is another way we invest in their character. Um, another thing as it relates to developing students people as people and players, we invest in their future and we're very much concerned about um, what happens beyond high school. And so we one of our goals is to increase on a yearly basis um, our number of college student athletes, our number of, of students who go into the workforce and into different vocations. Uh, we want to be concerned because we think that that entices and grows engagement when we're speaking to the students as people and not just worried about, can you make a jump shot or can you complete a path? Uh, the second thing I'll say, and, and really quickly, is that in addition to developing students, we also think that leadership starts with us. And so we want to support and develop our coaches. And we just do that, again, through a lot of intentional time set aside with Coach for Coach development. Uh, We do the same thing as far as uh, team building activities and and meetings and and things of that nature. And we also have some curricula uh, that we follow as a coaching staff to help with with that development as far as uh, knowledge and acumen and also um, not only only those – transactional skills, the soft skills, but also those transformational skills as well. I mean, meaning, um, the relationships, knowing how to, to, to wade and navigate through those
1: relationships and really, uh, engage student athletes. Can, can you talk a bit maybe about what some of the, you mentioned the specific curriculum you might use with your coaches to, to help them, um, and their leadership develop and then develop those student athletes working underneath them. What, what maybe are some examples of, of things you might be using, what be books or whether it be podcasts, what, what are you using to help uh, fuel that? Well, first and foremost, I, I believe it, 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 uh, what's
2: the saying people don't care how much, you know, till they know how much you care. It starts really with us by developing forums to build relationship. I mean, obviously we have a, Like most uh, schools, we have a monthly meeting of all our coaches and we, I purposely try to set time within that meeting, whether it's starting off with our agenda a little late or finishing up early where coaches are getting to know each other and bond and kind of getting that out of their classrooms and out of their programs and out of their heads and realizing that they're part of a larger whole and really developing those relationships. Another way we do that is through our buddy coach program, any coach that's new to Sepulpa or new to the coaching profession or in their first uh, two years as a head coach, um, we have basically a, a coach's life group that we talk about uh, different things and we we pick a book each year or semester rather. Um, like this year, we're, we're reading the seven habits of successful coaches. And so that's some of the curricula we use in mixed with the relationship piece. Uh, Beyond that, we we do usually right now we're going through proactive coaching, which is something um, which was a company I hooked up with at the uh, AD conference in San Antonio this year. And we're just reading Mm -hmm. through their books and pamphlets uh, through our meeting structure. Mm
1: -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Well, that kind of got into some of the the next question we want to get into is just that kind of led you into that guide through the leadership discussions and students. Um, I want to, I want to go back to that fierce competitor piece. Um, as I'm hearing you talk about this relationship piece, I'm hearing you talking about, you know, the, the, intentional character, character development, um, and things like that. Uh, this was a question I actually took with me down to the, uh, the NADC down there in San Antonio. Um, because I, I have, I, I've got some of my coaches doing the same types of things, really working on being transformational coaches. Uh, and I've been working and having those conversations with our coaches and with our staff. I know a lot of our ADs here and I are doing that. Um, one of the balance things I've, I've been trying to to wrap my head around, and, and I think many of us are, and so I'm going to throw this your direction, is um, as you're as you're having those conversations with your parents or your public, you come across situations where you're spending your time talking about, we're here to build character, um, set the stage then for what's next in life. And, and the winning maybe isn't necessarily the, our primary motive, you know, uh, driver, it's, it, it's something we want to do as a result of the work we're doing developing character. But have you had the parents or community coming at you saying, wait a minute, uh, we're about winning championships. And, and have you had a hard time balancing that uh, culture?
2: Uh no, I I my my saying is that, uh, winning is the is the cherry on top, um, and it is the product, if you will, of again doing those little things, doing the right things all the time, uh, even in the smallest situations, and so we try to uh, breed a culture of excellence, which is. If it's taking role every day, if it's being where you're supposed to be, making sure we have supervision, all that stuff is building into winning. And, and we are very cognizant about that. Again, we, we're cognizant about creating a mission, knowing um, and having a vision for where we're going, where we're stepping towards every day. We're, we're cognizant about creating goals. One of our goals is to become a top 10 program in 6A. And how we've defined that is uh, one team each each um, season getting to an upper level or elimination round of the playoffs. So whether that's a state tournament, whether that's having students qualify for a state tournament, depending on the sport, that's the goal from a performance perspective. Uh, we also have a grade component. We want one team each some each season rather, uh, to qualify as a as a state OSSA academic, all academic team. And we also are looking for a certain GPA, which the coaches um, pick out based on their which is represents basically an increase from previous semesters but those are the three areas where we're trying to oh i'm sorry and i left out uh behavioral incidents um where that's one of the things we wanted to decrease was the number of behavioral incidents and students being kicked out of school uh for fighting or talking back to a teacher or what have you uh because again you can't be um transformational if a student's not there you know so Mm -hmm. To answer your question we use all of these things um and we we're cognizant about using all of these things as a piece of the winning pu- puzzle so that has unified our language so when you're talking to me about how you get a kid to to um not get suspended or to not be on uh the the to not fail a drug test or to not uh, being eligible, you're talking winning to me. That, that, in our language, you're talking about wins and losses. And so, for us, that's been something that has not been hard to do because we've equated the winning, uh, I guess we've brought it down uh, to a base level, if you will. Mm. Yeah. We, we've, to state <laughs> that better, we've infused it into everything we do. And so, if every if every the common element of everything you do for instance may be um, money if you were to say, hey that you you just wasted my time you just wasted that uh, I could have made twenty dollars in that hour you wasted twenty dollars of my time or hey uh, this this uh, that conversation was so good it was worth this much money and so. That's kind of how we talk about winning. It pervades everything, all of our conversations. We equate back to winning, if that makes any sense.
0: Absolutely makes sense. Thank you. So I'm assuming then, too, that your language is spoken pretty uh, consistently amongst your coaches, too. So if people are talking to the coaches, whether they're talking to you, your whole staff, I know that's the goal but I'm assuming that uh, your coaches are talking the same language too.
2: Yes. Having a common language, having a uh, common themes, like I meant, mentioned, having common mission and goals ha- was a huge first step for us. Uh, I'm currently reading the book uh, good to great by Tom Collins. And yeah. he talks about first and foremost, getting the right people on the bus. And then secondly, uh, getting that common language that common theme those common understandings and so those two things have been kind of occurred at the same time for us and it's just been huge in moving our culture for forward
0: and i believe you're in your fourth year there at sapulpa yes sir um was there uh any did you start that in year one um you know trying to do this the mission statement the um uh, common language well, is that something that's kind of evolved in the last couple of years we
2: started it at in the after 6 months of my in my first year and so mm-hmm. the reason why because number 1 it was needed but number 2 <clears throat> i don't think you come into a place and promulgate uh you know what you want to see happen it's got to be a shared vision now i will say that this was something that I crafted just because it was so hard to get coaches together to talk about it and call through the specifics. But I crafted it from, from what I was gathering from coaches, from our constituency, from our staff. And once I crafted it before it was adopted, uh, we discussed it and went back and forth uh, over it. But yes, it was something that was missing in our culture. And so we went ahead and did it that first year
0: Mm mm-hmm good yeah I totally agree you can't go in and just say day one well this is what we're going to be it's people have to share in that now which leads me to the question uh did you have to change some staff was there some staff not wanting to do that not wanting to take those steps forward well yeah we we again um
2: for a lot of schools athletics is that piece that kind of especially when you when you're like our school was we were we were struggling we were underperforming in a lot of areas and once uh our superintendent who hired me had kind of gone through the administration gone through the the teaching staff and and made the got the right people on the bus the last piece was athletics so i got to play a, a major role in and kind of turning things around, if you will, and, and getting those right people on the bus. And yes, turnover was a huge part of that. We out of our sixty coaches, uh, we we probably intentionally made changes at, at, at about a fifth of. I mean, I'm sorry, at about twenty percent of that. So mm-hmm. it, we did have some 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 tumultuous times, if you will.
0: Yeah. How did you, I think I know the answer to this, but as a leader, because those are not fun times, no matter what. So just an insight on leadership during those tumultuous times. What would, What did your focus stay on that? What What got you through those times as well? You know, funny enough,
2: what got me through those times was my personal mission statement and those things I talked about earlier as far as developing the identity through athletics and activities and, and different things that can really equip students to be better suited in their future. That was my core principle. That was my core belief. That was my beacon through the night, if you will, when things mm-hmm. are dark and murky and you're not sure if oh, we just made a major uh, decision on getting rid of a coach or we just hired a, a coach who's a bit of a lightning rod. Um, and you're getting all this unsolicited feedback, good and bad, positive and negative, and it's like, where where's my due north, you know? And so for me, it and and that's why I think your your opening salvo is so poignant. Um, for me, it pointed back to those experiences that I had, had you know. It, it, and that's why I I think everyone has to find how their experiences equate to what they're doing now in some form or fashion, because at, at the end of the day, that's your truth. That's your truth. That's what holds you down through those tumultuous times. And that's what it did for me.
0: Yeah. You knew your why. Yeah. You know, exactly. you, you just knew why you're doing it. And yeah, that's great stuff, Jason. So, um, you know, the last thing we'll kind of talk about here is more, you know, your personal leadership. And um, so what do you do to continue to grow yourself? What are some things that you do? Uh, you mentioned you're reading a book, but what what intentional steps do you take so Jason Parker is continuing to, to grow as a leader as well? Well, not unlike
2: um, our, our organization. For me, it starts with, with mission and goals. And having a mission, not only for myself as an as a athletic director, but as a, as a Jason Parker, first and foremost, as an individual, as a husband, as a, as a dad, as a father, um, as an entrepreneur, you know, different things. And so just getting clarity behind the major facets of my life is huge for me. Uh, outside of that, it really goes back to, again, that underdog mentality and those daily habits. And so for me, every morning starts with uh, prayer and meditation. Uh, at sometime between 4 and 5 a.m., I was pretty consistent at 4. And I, I've since backed off to 5 because I got mm-hmm. good sleep during the break and, and I realized I was missing it. So now it's about a 5 a.m. wake up. But every day uh, it's prayer, it's meditation, it's uh, affirmation, focusing on my goals. And then um, it goes into an hour of exercise. Um, If it's an off day, then I'm going to do some stretching and and some yoga, maybe sit in a sauna. And I find that it takes me two hours. I need two hours of of just personal time. And that's the reason for the early wake up um, to just get all that stuff in and find my due North, find my truth each and every day. And that's how, I I can be my best on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, good. So I'll go one more here and I I know I know Aaron, I know Aaron's percolating another question cuz he <laughs> he uh, he listens and he's very thoughtful but um one of the top, you know, for our listeners who are we got a lot of people who listen to this who are leaders and wanting to be better, um top one or two resources books that that you really have really enjoyed reading
2: well number one um I love and I I love the NIAA magazine and I recently just became a member of the publications committee but whether it's NIAA, whether it's uh athletic director coaching AD AB Benz like I love reading about our industry and for me yeah Maybe because I'm coming from a non traditional background and I kinda of felt ill equipped at sometimes and so I'm like, I need to read all I can. I need to do all this stuff to kinda of shorten that learning curve. And so getting becoming a member of the NIAAA, going to the, the NADC every year, uh taking I've probably taken over twenty of those courses, uh, the the L T I courses and, and actually earned my certified master's in athletic administration, uh, this last year. But as far as it relates to our profession, I can't get enough of that stuff. Like I I eat it. I I consume it. I love it. Uh, outside of things that are strictly, uh, related to athletic administration. One of my favorite books is thinking Grow rich, uh, by Napoleon Hill. Uh, I love the mindset piece. And that's a big reason, For the meditation, I I think leadership starts with I, you know, if I can't lead myself to do the things that I want to do and manifest the life that I want to live, how can I preach that? How can I go tell a, a young basketball player, hey, if you if you get really intentional about becoming a free better free throw shooter, that's within your power to manifest if I'm not manifesting the things that I want to manifest in my own life. And so to me, that it all relates back to that. So Napoleon Hill thinking Grow rich was a huge piece for me.
0: Good. Thanks. All right, Aaron, I know you got
1: something. Well, treasure on me there, Todd. <laughs> I tell you, um, I tell you what, I want to come back to this because I think one of the things I've circled three or four times now and drawn a few arrows at, uh, Todd knows I've got three or four pages of notes over here already going. Mm-hmm. I want to come back to this this idea of out-programming. And a question I'm going to throw your direction is, would be this. Um, I think that's something we would all, uh, I think any AD worth of salt has got that 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 thought process of how, we're, how are we going to uh, take our strengths uh, and maximize those and minimize our what might be our our areas we we whether it be we, we don 't have the resources or, or, or a smaller school or whatever, but we have this idea of, of, of we 've got to build that mentality, so um, obviously, when you got into Sepulpa, uh maybe you had some programs that weren 't in that mindset uh so what maybe are some steps you can talk us through if you if you've got a program in it as an ad that's not buying into this idea we're going to out program outwork people and that's how we're going to find our our success and and drive our winning philosophies forward what are some steps you'd go through jason to um facilitate that program moving forward under that philosophy whether it be a, a coach that's maybe not doing that or the coach is trying hard but there's a player culture that's just a creating roadblocks that that's not letting that program come into that mindset of we're going to out program everybody.
2: Well, first and foremost, I think that it's it's no different than us as individuals. Everybody's got certain advantages. Everybody's got certain disadvantages. No one's is the same, but it all starts with identifying those things first. And so you have to, as a program, sit back and and find out what are our advantages. I'll tell you at Sepulveda, being a small 6A school, for us, it was um, availability, whereas most of our um, counterparts, our other 6A schools, uh, their numbers are so bad that students are lost in in the mix there. There are students who uh, fall into drug use, fall into pregnancy and and different things because as a middle schooler, they were a great football player or they were a great volleyball player. And all of a sudden they get to high school and get washed out in the numbers and they're ninth graders, not even involved in an extracurricular activity or what I refer to as a co-curricular activity. And so for us, we identified but this is an area where we have a competitive advantage and I refer to it as, as the low hanging fruit, find that low hanging fruit. What's something uh, a competitive advantage you can quickly leverage to start to make difference right away. Once you do that, you typically start to create a momentum. And for me, once you create that momentum, a lot of it is about getting out of our own way because as Every AD, everyone in education can attest to. There's so much bureaucracy. There's so many rules and policies. There's so many things that actually inhibit uh, positive things that, that would otherwise happen. And so for me as an AD, it's about facilitating those things where my boosters can work within them, where my coaches can work within them, where I can get my superintendents and and hr people on board with um my coaches and my boosters and my other staff uh to make things happen a little bit more quickly and then inevitably through that process uh we 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 ultimately have
0: a better product Mm. good all right good to get it for you aaron
1: uh, yep. I I got a few things from that. Uh, and I know, our, I know the people listening will, like I said, that's the hard part is, you know, and, and, you know, you mentioned you, you've been there four years and, and kind of were brought in by the superintendent for that. Um, and, and I think some folks have got great advantages of doing that. Uh, I've been my journey, I think many of our, our ADs in the state of Iowa, their journey might be different where they, uh, I've been at the school I've been at for 20 years and I was a coach for eight and I've been AD now the last 12. And so I've been there a long time. So you're working with a coaching staff that um, you've got some deep relationships with uh, yeah. that you have to start to have those conversations with. So um, I know we've got a lot of listeners in that same boat where uh, trying to, to manage relationships that have been standing relationships, but still keep moving forward on the, Hey, here's where our programs can get better and it and have those crucial conversations to, to do that. And I like your idea of, hey, let's sit down and talk about your program and what are the advantages of your program? And are we maximizing those advantages? And if not, how can we do that so that we can move forward? Yeah. It, and,
2: uh, interestingly enough, everywhere I've been, uh, it's kind of been as a kind of cleanup, if you will, to try to insight change and improve a culture uh, right away. And so that's kind of become an MO. Um, as far as just hey, getting in there, getting the right people on the bus, um getting that mission statement together, identifying what the issues are, and attacking those large dominoes first, and then riding that wave. you know, once people start to see that there's change afoot, um things tend to happen. I'll tell you in one situation, um I was not a month on the job, and I noticed that I didn't even realize it was volleyball season. It it happened so fast. And and next thing you know, I'm walking out of my office, and and we're, like, starting to set up the court for volleyball. And I'm like, there's a game today. So I (laughs) I haven't even met the coach yet. And so I stay around and start to watch the program, watch the game that day. And I'm looking at my coaches, and it basically was evidence that they could care less. Like, they were not even trying. And I think at that point, a lot of people would have said, or a lot of people do say, um, well, you know, there's an issue. Maybe, you know, let's make a move at the end of the season. We ended up letting that coach go the next day. And mm. we figured mm. it out from there, but that created such a momentum, such an excitement. Uh, I had a parent with the, a talk with the parent group later that week. And just told them that that, that's not what we're going to stand for anymore. And even though we don't have all the answers right now, we're open and we're collaborative and we're transparent about finding the answers and let's move forward in a positive way. And so that kind of sent shockwaves throughout our our community and, and kind of set the tone for, for everything else we did thereafter.
1: Mm, No doubt. No doubt. You know, Todd, to to tie it into like our conversations from last week and stuff. I think one of the most important things Jason said there several times is, is creating that momentum. We don't always know what the answer is going to be or what the end product is going to look like. But, but if you know, change has to happen, start, find a way to create momentum and then, and then write it and see where it goes. But don't, don't be, that's how you start is create momentum first. and, And you may not know what it's going to look like, but get momentum moving forward. That's good stuff, Jason. Well,
2: Aaron, thank you. And it's funny that you say that because now, that I'm a grizzled veteran or, (laughs) well, got a little bit more gray in my beard. I, I, I would hesitate more to do that because of that very reason, because I don't know what the end result is, but I have found that generally, even when that don't let that be an impairment, not knowing what the end, I could have easily said, well, what if I don't find a coach and blah, blah, blah. well, point blank period it was the right thing to do and it was the thing that that those girls needed and that program needed and honestly it was the thing that our school needed and the rest of our athletics department needed and so you're absolutely right sometimes we don't have all the answers but go ahead and jump anyway when you know you're jumping for the right reasons
0: yeah no doubt no doubt well, hey, we could, uh, boy, we could fill another two hours. I know, and we'll we'll have Jason back, and uh, we'll we'll talk more about some different things too at a later time. But boy, today, Jason, this has been uh, just great, great information, great stuff. Uh, appreciate time out of your night uh, to be with us, and I know the people that listen to this podcast are going to enjoy it. So, I know you're a man of action, you're a man of faith, and uh, you're a man that. Uh, creates change and uh you inspired us tonight so thank you best of luck uh down in sepulpa the rest of this year and uh, you know whatever comes around the corner uh just uh we know you're going to keep doing great great things so thank you for your commitment to your coaches your community your student athletes aaron and todd
2: thank you guys so much i love everything you guys are doing i follow you on linkedin uh, I've been listening to the show over the past few days. And, and so I got to go back and listen to the rest of them. Uh, like I said, I am a big fan. and I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me on.
0: You bet. Thanks Jason. Thank appreciate it. Well, Hey, again, thanks everyone for listening. If you've got questions, um, you know, give us a shout at Gordon leadership services or beyond the bench.com. Um, anywhere like that reach out to us via email linkedin social media uh, if you want to get connected with jason we can help you do that as well if you've got questions about some of his programs you know as we say in the athletic director world we're we're not a bunch of uh all we do is steal from each other that's all we do we beg borrow steal and because uh, we're all in the same boat so anyway ha- everybody have a great week out there um and uh just keep doing what you're doing doing for the right reasons um, if it's one thing we got from tonight, you know, find that true North, make sure you know your why, if you're still tr- struggling to find that boy, take some time and find that out. Cause once you find that, why you're going to drive to the next level and you're going to drive your people to the next level as well. So, uh, find that and keep doing what you're doing. Okay. Have a great week and everyone out there, just please just be.